was freaking out out. This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you on the internet. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello. Hello. Hello, Dave. No sulky. Stretchy. Matt Stretch Johnson in. This entire week. Hope you all have enjoyed him as much as Moore and Justin and I have. Woo! Been just a blast. <laughs> Time of our life. Really? That's yeah, been great. Been a great week. Yeah, been a great week. Time of, of your life. Well, time of our life this season, because this has been the best stretch the Mariners have been on this season. Have you had fun birthdays? Have I had fun Sorry, birthdays? I don't mean yes. to just stop. I mean, fun yes. birthday where you've been placed. Mike Ford went four for five with a home run, two doubles, and a single on his birthday. So good. How cool is that? So good. And as and as Passon just said, I think I played for four teams last year. I think he's worn like nine different uniforms. I think this is his third trip around with the Mariners, and yet you know he just goes up there and he's just I I I I, I kind of dig his whole deal. Like just the I'm I'm all in on the Mike Ford F one fifty. Persevere. Yep, don't want me, go to the next place. Don't want me. Yep. Not being wanted is a weird deal, Brock. Mm-hmm. Weird deal. <laughs> yes. You I don't know about you. I've been there. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna go without you <laughs> at a very different level. We're gonna do something without you. So here here's the uncomfortable conversation we're gonna have. No, I remember being terminated. I remember Mike Holmgren. <laughs> honestly, call me up. I, yeah. I, you do you do remember that vividly? Yes. And saying, you know what, we're we're done. We we've tried, and bless your heart, you've done all you could, but you just can't stay healthy, and it's time for us to move on. And yeah, that's a that's a lonely walk up and down the stairs. And the number of times Mike Ford has been terminated and moved and traded and told not good enough. And you know what? He can't run. He's not dynamic. He's not many of these. But what he is and what he can do is freaking hit. And when he gets on one of these runs, and he's been on him in his career, man, you got to run it like a. Like when you fish, uh, stretchy, you just hope to get into a run of some fish and whatever, whatever depth you're working at or whatever the lure is or whatever your bait is or whatever way you're rolling, man, you want to keep that bait in the water because it has a chance to strike. And man, did he strike in some big ways yesterday? And, uh, yeah, this feels, and, and, and I know there's Mariners fans listening, like slow down your roll. You thought Country Roads brought this thing together. Hey, slow down your roll. They won four games earlier this yeah, year. Yeah, we'll hey, do what we want roll. here. We'll do what we want. But this is this this is I think felt a little different because you've done it against good competition. You're actually doing something you've yes. not done all year. You've beaten winning teams, back to back series now, a chance to go for a sweep tonight. And uh, and I think that I actually sc- screwed up, Justin. I don't want cut uh, six on the new sound sheet. I want cut seven. I want Scott Service yesterday in that clubhouse. Uh, I think after announcing the All-Stars and all that fun that we've played a bunch of times, here is Service talking about Logan's inning and, more importantly, talking about just the team, the team taking this over, the team telling the skipper, this is what you're going to do. That has been a big step as well. Yeah, you know, they had the, the crazy one inning with three, the three-pitch inning, and I always joke with our guys, like, that can never happen. And when it happened, about three or four of them came up to me and said, Skip, what would you be doing right now? I said, I'd be going crazy. And lo and behold, when you have a quick inning like that, it allows the starter to go deep. So uh, uh, Logan had plenty left in the tank. Um, after he came off, after the eighth inning, he didn't even look at me. He just stuck his fist out and kept right on walking. So, uh, you know, it was, it was funny, too, the guys in the, in the dugout. 
if Logan goes down in the tunnel, they start chanting Logan, Logan, Logan. As Woody went to the phone, I'm like, yeah, Logan's going back out, guys. Relax. We're good. The best teams that I was ever around, the best teams that I've ever covered, the best teams, and what I love about my college football job is I get a feel when I travel to these programs and I'm in their building and I'm in their coaches' meetings and I'm on their practice field. You can feel the team stretchy where the players start to take it over. And those are the teams that are the most successful. Those are the teams. That, that's what happened in that buildup to 12 and, and 11 and 12 and 13. The KJs and the Bobbies and the Sherms and the Marshans. Guess what? Pete, you're, you're the guy. You're still the guy that stirs it all. You're still the guy that directs it. But we, as your shipmates, are the ones that are running the show. And I don't think I've heard of all the different sound this year. Through 84 demanding, difficult, arduous at times games, I don't think I've heard a cut where it's like, hey, players came up to me. Hey, you know, the players came up to me. You know, these players are starting to find a little footing, winning some games, putting some adversity behind them. And I, I don't know, man, and, and I'm not jumping aboard and I'm not saying they're going to win 10 in a row and I'm not doing any of that. But that's a good sign that those team and the players are starting to take some of the conversation over. Well, in that sign, there's a shift. There's a shift. Obviously, passing nailed it. You you score 6.75 runs a game. You're going to win the games. You're going to win 90% of the games. But there's a shift that bats have come alive. The confidence is there. And then the good managers, the good coaches, they get out of the way. They get out of the way, and they got out of, they get out of the way early, and they know they can sense it, and the players can sense it, whether it's yep. the 12, 13 Seahawks or this right here, if the Mariners continue to hit, and if the Mariners continue well, to perform. Year. It happened last year. Look, yes. at, look at what happened last year, you know, when this team kind of caught fire. It took a brawl. It took a fight, right? And, and as it turned out, that was like a trident in the ground, actual pretty significant moment. Many downplayed it. Salk did not. Salk was right on that one. And it was galvanizing. And from that point forward, it's like, no, no, we do this for each other. We do this, you know, as a team. And all of a sudden, Julio's voice emerged as, as a rookie last year. And, and all of a sudden, the pitching. And all of a sudden, Robbie Ray emerged. And, you know, that, that group after that brawl, and, and a lot of wins followed, but you could start to feel their identity as they took it over. This year has been so rugged. It has been so rough. You know, I went through the five or six different stages on Monday stretch, right? Of well, first it's the manager, mm -hmm. well, and then it's the the offensive leaders, and and then it's only the manager's voice, and then it's a players only meeting, and and then it's a cascade of booze on them, and it's been through all of this stuff. But when they finally start to be the ones, be like, hey, Skip, Logan's staying in. Hey, hey, hey Skip, what would you do if we had a three pitch inning? Right? Hey, Skip, this this is the way we're gonna roll. To me, that's a pretty healthy sign moving forward. It, it is, and I'm and I now I go back in retrospect and think: Is it getting punched in the face? Is it getting socked in the gut? And that's what happened. You've gone through so much, but really rock bottom was the national series. Really rock bottom was that eighth inning last Friday, and you come back to beat a really. You didn't just win one game versus Tampa. You beat them, and now you go down to San Francisco, and San Francisco. They haven't even been on the same park as the Mariners the last couple no, games. No, it's not. It did not felt that way, right? No, it's, it's, no. It's, and, the, and again, they, they won four of ten. But before that, it was they swept the Dodgers. They swept the Cardinals. They won the series versus San Diego. So it, it's not a poor team that they ran into. But mm -mm. they don't even look like the same, uh, same caliber as the Mariners this last two. You felt like after that national series, at least I did, you had ten games in ten days. You're going to play the Rays. You're going to play these Giants. It's going to be a late game today. It's not an early game, so you're going to be flying into Houston late tonight. It's 4 
down there in that place that has been a house of real problems for you. And those Crawford boxes that have just been so freaking annoying and doesn't matter who they've you know played against and name on the back of the jersey, the Astros have owned them. I like that, actually. I actually, 10 days or five days ago, said this is going to be exactly what they need because it is going to tell Jerry and Justin and John and the rest of the decision makers what this season's going to be about. Like you're, you're matching up against three winning teams, and it's really going to has a chance here. If you go two and eight, to, to, to define things before the all-star break. But man, if you go eight and two and you turn this around, it is just a totally different vibe. And winners of four in a row, they're on their way to that eight out of 10, which would be just enormous heading into the break. Isn't that what service is saying though? It's in your hands. Yep. Isn't that, doesn't that, isn't that the only thing you want to hear as a ball player? It's in your hands. Here are the teams. A couple yep. of them are in front of you. Here's Mike Ford. Saturday, one for two, a two-out RBI. Sunday, one for four, another couple RBIs with two outs. Monday, two for three. Tuesday, four for five. The yep. two-out RBIs we talked about on, on Monday, so cr- key, so yep. crucial. And it's a guy that wasn't wanted by a few other teams. And that can relax the whole lineup. Yeah, just who? Who's going to be? There have been enough moments. Man, the pitching has been so good. There have been all these moments, and yet nobody has seized it. Yeah, and pretty neat in a perplexing year that, of course, it's going to be Mike Ford over these last four That's days. That's who I had my money on. Yeah, for sure. No, you always like the gray horse. You told me that. Hey, bet on the gray <laughs> horse. It's had to overcome an awful lot in its life. Everything you need to know coming up your way next, the Brock and Salk Show on your home for all things All-Star Week, all week long, right here in the Seattle Sports Station, the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Up first, the Seattle Mariners on the longest winning streak of this season at just the right time after a cascade of booze last Friday night on the fireworks night. This team has responded one four in a row. And a big reason for it is Jeff Passan told us last hour they finally hit. They have finally put the offense together to match their pitching. And of course, on his birthday, F-150 was going to deliver. The 1-1. Swung on. Blasted. Right field hammered. It is back. It is on its way. It is gone. On top of the 24-foot brick wall, Mike Ford on his birthday. A solo bash. And the Mariners extend the lead. It's 3-0 M's. Maybe F-350. Probably F-350. Super duty is what I was thinking. Yeah, F-150 is probably not going to work. Shout out to Andy and Andrew, a couple of my buddies down in Texas, uh, who gave me that nickname idea for Mike Ford. And just been awesome to see him get an opportunity yet again. And he keeps getting these opportunities. Passing could tell you he keeps getting cut because he's just not been sustainable. But he keeps getting opportunities because when he gets hot, he can carry a baseball team. And yesterday it was a single. It was two doubles. It was that home run. And... And just the fun that that, that dugout was having with, with them. And oh, by the way, the last two days, played a good first base. Ty France has been out after the collision, then he got hit on the hand, and it has been sore. Mike Ford just plugging in, doing his job. And Logan Gilbert, as you have said, Stretch, Logan Gilbert was really the star yesterday. Well, Mike Ford, 0 for 1, uh, Friday after a pinch hit appearance. He was batting 204. He's now batting. 279 after a stretchy unofficial stats of 8 for 14 since Saturday. But two doubles, a home run, and a single. I mean, obviously, not only seeing it, but you can hear the crack of the bat just crushing the baseball. You know, you go 4 for 5 yesterday, 2 for 3. 
and you see why these teams take a flyer with him. Yes. Right? That that yep. that is the deal. That that is the deal. He can do it. So lightning in a bottle, does he go up against lefties now? Does he does he just do you just run him out there every day? Doesn't matter if it's a left handed pitcher. But what the right-handed pitcher did yesterday when Logan Gilbert, that was just, that was goosebump stuff. When we played Rick Riz earlier to end the game, I did, I've got to admit, the goosebumps came up on the old 55-year-old uh, arms of mine. I mean, I started kind of, I know, Rick Riz can do it. Logan Gilbert, a, a complete game shutout, that can give you goosebumps. Oh, you want to hear that? Let's cut number four here. Do you want to hear that little yes, play-by-play? Please. See, even at 55, if you can get goosebumps a second time. The windup and the one-two on the way. Swing and a miss, strike three, and he did it. Logan Gilbert with a complete game, six-nothing shutout win over the Giants here at Oracle Park in San Francisco. A high five and a hug from his catcher Tom Murphy. His teammates out to greet him. So Logan Gilbert, his first ever complete game, his first ever complete game shutout, and the 152nd in the history of the Mariners franchise. What a gem of an outing for Logan Gilbert. To get you? Nope, nothing. Need more coffee. I guess I was just too wired up earlier. Next. I love this. Here's the second thing you need to know. Shortly after our show ended on Monday, stretch was in Monday, you'll be in tomorrow and Friday as well, the Mariners make a move. Jeff Passon said, incredible, great move, unbelievable job of shedding after you DFA Chris Flexen. You didn't think you were going to have somebody pick up his $4 million, but that somebody was uh, Mr. Cohen and those New York Mets who needed a reliever, and they were able to package Trevor Gott in that deal as well. So Flexen and Gott go to New York. $4 million comes back to the Mariners' Uh, bottom line and, and pocketbooks and as Passon said and echoed what you and I said well now you've got flexibility now you have an opportunity whether it is a DFA Nelson Cruz whether it is a trade whether it is somebody that you're going to pick up in the next 30 days well you've got four million reasons now uh, to make a move in that way yeah you throw the four million along with one of the younger arms not one of the arms you are willing to give up but you throw in some cash maybe someone takes a flyer on the young arm uh, that you know, we don't hear on hear of on a daily basis, and there's the money and flexibility. Just a little side note: you're super the, uncomfortable trading anything, huh? Are, are you a hold on? To, I mean, be careful about that. No, no, no. I, I'm I'm uncomfortable trading established major league arms. That's what I'm uncomfortable. The, the, we talk about young arms. Everyone knows the top prospects in every you know yeah. in, in your farm system. Trade them. That's fine. Trade them. The guys that can get out a major league hitter on a consistent basis, and I mean, I'd like to see a little more consistent than mm-hmm. six, eight starts, but guys that can do it on a major league basis, untouchable. For this team, untouchable. Jeff Passon just made a couple great things. Not only is it great to hear from someone from the outside say it was a great trade, but also say that the future is bright. We are impatient. We are. We don't have patience in, in 42 and 42, but the future is bright. We don't want to hear that. We want the wins now. We want it yesterday. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the future is still bright. We're just thinking because of the expectations. You know, we wanted more. The Mets, Robinson Cano, $20 million. Flexing $4 million. I love their, the Bobby trade Bonilla. The They're yeah, always the Bobby Mets. Bonilla. Brett Saberhagen, they're still paying. So, of trade course, kiss. With the go. Mets. Of course, nice. the Mets took them. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, two of your 25 and under are going to make the All-Star game. 
Pretty cool. Yesterday in that clubhouse, got service announcing it to, to George and to Julio and to the rest of the guys. Awfully excited for him. Here was uh, Scott, uh, Scott in cut number nine telling the media and uh, the assembled gathering about what it means to have Julio and George now represent these Mariners in the All-Star game, too. Well, they certainly earned it. You know, George had a great first half. Julio's had his ups and downs in the first half. We know that. It is certainly been much better here recently so uh hopefully you could use that to, to spring forward into a big second half hey uh, justin do you have your little notes up i mean we're, we're talking about the game itself which is next tuesday but this whole week and, and weekend i mean it kicks off well before tuesday with what's going on with these all-star game festivities right are you talking about the hbcu swing i'm talking man about classic? all of it i'm talking about you all of it. everything yeah. <laughs> yeah the swingman classic friday that's griffey's baby very excited about that uh the he is invited baseball's next wave of of stars from hbcus that's gonna be friday night oh, that's cool yeah and then uh futures game by the way after that game there will be a ken griffey jr playlist curated fireworks show so he has picked all the music for the, for the fireworks on Friday night. That's pretty cool. And Saturday, yeah, the Futures game, a ton of former uh, Mariners legends. Adrian Beltre, Jay Buhner, Mike Cameron, Jeff Alvin Cirillo. Davis. Oh, Jeff Cirillo. Stop. Felix Hernandez, Stop. Jamie Moyer, Dan Wilson, Randy Wynn. There's going to be a lot of former Mariners who are going to be coaches on that uh, Futures roster. And obviously we know that Harold Reynolds and Rolo Bonyes are going to be the head coaches for the two teams. That is very, very cool. So lots of Mariners coming back Sunday and off day. Do you know why Sunday is going to be an off day, Stretchy? <laughs> I have no idea. Sunday's an off day. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Because before the Home Run Derby and All-Star Game because, sure. well, there's a pretty monumental draft. It's called the MLB Draft, one that Jerry DePoto told us last Thursday is the biggest, deepest, and best draft that he has seen in the, in his years in the position he's in. And the Mariners, they got three picks in that draft. So that's why we are going to go to Joe Doyle next. He's the host of Overslot MLB Draft Podcast. He works for FutureStarSeries.com. He knows these prospects better than anybody else. And Joe Doyle, he joins us next. It's Brock and Salk. You're listening to it. Uh, Stretchy filling in all week long on your only home for All-Star Week Seattle Sports in the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You see what's trending on Twitter right now? Hashtag Salk on vacation. I would. I mean, it, it's, it's you every, just made me do it. <laughs> Mike out of town. It's everywhere. I mean, even the great yeah. Joe Doyle, who's going to join us here in moments. Yeah. Hopping on 710 with Brock Heward while at the Mike Salk vacations to talk a little MLB draft. How about that? Well, Joe and I talked the other day, and I said it'll be much more relaxing with Mike out of town. He said, sure. okay, I'll stay as long as you want. So he'll right? hop aboard. Yeah, that is Joe Doyle of FutureStarsSeries.com and the host of Overslot MLB Draft podcast and you can find him on twitter at joe doyle m-i-l-b where i see a tweet here that you just pinned joe that says you've got a list of the top six no not the top 14 no you've got a list of the top 614 prospects for the 2023 mlb draft 614 joe yeah, it's, listen, you guys, Mike Salk leaves the office. You guys get the D-list celebrities for the week. And, yeah, the MLB draft is a labor of love, man. I don't know how we got here. 614. How many get drafted? I know they've cut down on rounds, right? It used to be like 45 rounds. How many actually get drafted on Sunday? Yeah, so the number 614 isn't just where I decided to stop. It's the amount of players that are going to get drafted. Holy man. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so I think I wrote upwards of 900 or 950 reports, but those lucky 614 are the ones that made the internet. Of course you did, with full scouting reports. So you had 900 full scouting scout. reports also? Yeah, and leather fingers at this point. Uh, I'm totally out of energy. <laughs> Jerry Depoto told us last week, Joe, that uh, in his years of covering the draft, that this was the biggest, this was the deepest, this was one of the best drafts heading into it this weekend that he has ever seen and can ever remember. A, do you feel the same way? And B, if so, why? So to a certain degree, yes. I, I think in the six or seven years that I've been doing this, it's it's certainly the top, say, 80, 90, 100 prospects I've seen. I do think it falls off a little bit once you get into the fourth, fifth, sixth round. But in terms of pure upside talent, both on the college side and especially on the high school side, I don't think you're going to find much uh, much richer classes than what you're going to have available here. And, you know, with Seattle having four picks in the top 60 and three picks in the top 30, I, I don't think there's a better year to capitalize on it. And you say that MLB has a bright future, so obviously you're gambling with those comments. You're gambling that these guys are going to make the big leagues. What 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 separates this class from others? I mean, is it just pure talent? You also talk about great people, as I'm reading your Twitter also, which is awesome. You have videos of, of the top prospects, things like that. So I'd say if you're interested in the MLB draft, you, you get to uh, Joe's Twitter feed. But what what separates this class specifically? You know, I think it's a combination of both physical tools and polish. I I think in recent years, there's been a lot of really exciting college bats. There's been a lot of really exciting college, college shortstops or high school shortstops, I should say. But, you know, those players in a lot of cases did come with red flags, whether that be swing and miss or approach or, you know, selling out for power or the, you know, frankly, the the frame, their body uh, doesn't project real well. Uh, There's not a lot of that in this class. There's a lot of players that, have played three years at the college level and have produced and have shown the hit tool that you want to see that should translate right away. And then on the high school side, uh, and I know Jerry DePoto has mentioned this before, these guys, these these high school hitters are seeing 94, 95, 96 on a week-to-week basis in these showcase and tournament settings. And it seems every year they're handling that stuff better than the year before. So, I just think as a whole, this class is going to translate quicker to minor league baseball, and subsequently they should move up the uh, developmental ladder to major league baseball and produce quicker than some of the uh, past draft classes. Joe Doyle here with us. Before we get to some names for the Mariners and possibilities, got a very random middle child left-handed awkward question for you, but uh, after four minutes, I think you can handle it. If LSU, Wake Forest, and Florida played, I don't know, double A major, double A minor league, double A, triple A minor league teams, how would they fare? That's a good question. I think every team is a little bit different. I, I do think Wake Forest could stand up with just about anyone because they've got six, seven, eight arms in that rotation, that staff that probably will pitch in the major league. LSU, certainly a team that has the upside talent. Paul Skeens could strike out double A hitters tomorrow and I I think there stands a chance that he's going to be striking out double a hitters in September or or I should say late late August Um, we'll see how aggressive a team is with him but and Dylan Cruz is one of the most polished college hitters I've seen in, in ever frankly so I think there are players on those teams that could without question line up toe to toe with you know a 23 24 25 year old in double a or triple a right now but as a whole, you're still talking about, you know, these minor league teams are full of 
exclusively players that have pretty much been drafted. So I think in a three, five game series, the the double A team would probably win, but there's certainly some dudes on these teams that could go toe to toe with some of the best prospects in, in major league baseball right now. Joe, I've not been in love with the inducement side of NIL, with the transfer portal, with many things that are going on in college sports. I'm kind of an old school guy and and still believe in team and development. I don't love a lot of this, but I'm also not naive enough to know that it can have a positive impact, too, that the trade-offs can be positive. And I wonder if college baseball, so Jerry points to this draft, you point to the strength of this draft. It's going to be a ton of guys at the top end of the draft from the collegiate level. Is it possible that with the NIL money, with these uh, collectives, with you know the opportunity to stay in school and develop at some of these powerhouse programs down south, that we're going to see an actual benefit to this draft and to Major League Baseball as college baseball has a chance to, to swing for the fences in ways that maybe didn't 5, 10, 15 years ago? You know, I don't know if the money is there quite yet for returning players. Um, but I will say what I've noticed in the last couple of years is more and more, if you're a, if you're a fringier high school type of player, a guy that may be committed to LSU or Florida, or, um, but you're not projected to go in the first two rounds, those schools now have the ammunition to pay these guys eighty, ninety, dollars $100,000 a year to come play baseball in the SEC for two or three years and, and become draft eligible again. And with where salaries are in, in minor league baseball, you know, at double A, you're still making, you know, below minimum wage in some cases. The idea of going to school and enjoying three years with, you know, people your age and making 80, 90, $100,000 a year, well, sometimes that's a better option than just taking, you know, a, a $600,000 signing bonus and signing pro ball as a, as a high schooler. So mm-hmm. I think NIL money is going to ultimately push a handful of more kids to school than it might have not in the past but in terms of money as a whole in college baseball we're not quite there but we are moving in that direction joe where is the depth in this draft outside of a horse starting pitching give us some positions and mariner fans always put that in the back pocket where the what positions are are the deepest in this draft yeah so as a whole college bats are flush this year there's going to be plenty of college bat options for seattle with their 22nd pick uh, we're talking about guys that will be probably available at 22 that would have been drafted in the 10 to 14 range in most other years. It's, it is deep in that regard. And you're going to be able to find some good college bats in the second round as well. So Seattle can get kind of flexible. But I do think with the way the MLB draft works and, and the fact that you can only spend a certain amount of money and it's an exercise in risk, I think Seattle is going to be a little bit more aggressive on the high school side, a little bit like they've done the last couple of years with Cole Young and Harry Ford. This is a very, very good year for high school bats, and specifically it's a good year for high school shortstops and high school center fielders. Because of that, I kind of think you're going to see Seattle go that route in some capacity with one or two of those picks in the top 30. 22, 29, and 30 in Sunday's draft, all in the first round there. Give me the home run pick. When you're sitting on your couch and you're watching this or or you're there, wherever you may uh, take that in after all of this prep and work, Joe, who would be, gosh, who would be the one you'd say, man, that's a, that is a, maybe it's someone who falls to them or just a perfect fit for what they're looking for. Give me a, a home run name or two for the Mariners. So, so my home run name, and it's a guy that is generally projected to go in the 12 to 16 range, but I think there's a chance he falls as Stanford second baseman, Tommy Troy. He's got a lot of comparisons to Brett Boone, who I know a lot of people around here will obviously recognize a lot of power, a lot of speed. 
not totally known for the glove, but it's a bat that could be in Seattle's lineup at the beginning of the 2025 season. Very, very polished. The other one that I would circle is Colt Emerson. He's a high school shortstop out of uh, Ohio, I believe. Just 17 years old, just about to turn 18 years old. But Colt is, for my money, on the high school side, um, one of the top two hitters in this class. If you imagine what they've done last year with Cole Young. Cole Young has been a very good prospect. Hasn't shown a ton of power yet, but he's been a very good, steady prospect. Well, Colt Emerson is essentially Cole Young, but more powerful. Broader shoulders, barrel-chested. I think that's the type of guy that you know maybe you end up throwing at second base or third base three years from now, and he's an organizational staple for seven or eight years. And the last thing here for Joe Doyle, and again, you can follow him on Twitter, amazing Twitter site with so many of these prospects, at Joe Doyle, M-I-L-B, over there on Twitter. Uh, the reality that we could see some of these top five guys even this season, do you think there's a possibility some of them even put on a Major League Baseball uniform this year, Joe? Well, I think the tricky thing is, uh, you know, Major League Baseball teams don't want to start a, a player's service clock until they feel his, he's ready. And because most of these teams that are picking at the top of the draft are generally out of contention uh, for the playoffs, you're probably not going to see them. I mean, there's there, there's a scenario where Paul Skeens falls to number five and the Twins really could use him in a, in a playoff run. But I think other than that, you're probably not going to see too many of these guys in the big leagues. I think the one guy that I might suggest would be Rhett Lauder. He's a pitcher out of Wake Forest. He's kind of drawn comparisons to Mike Leake, just incredibly polished, ready to go right now. Otherwise, especially the bats, you won't see. But otherwise, I think Paul Skeens to Minnesota has a chance to see the big leagues this year. Um, But you'll probably have to wait until 2024 for uh, pretty much all of these guys. I appreciate it. That is Joe Doyle, future uh, futurestarseries.com. You can find his work there as well. Joe, thank you. Salk's on vacation. The kids will play, and uh, you bring a whole bunch of intel and input and info our way. So we uh, thank you for your time, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. All right. Appreciate you guys. See ya. There he goes, Joe Doyle. Tell me, Stretch, where's something that you uh, nerd out like that? Where's something oh, that you put English a list? Soccer. I mean, you, English soccer. I know too many rosters of all 20 teams. But but no, this, what he is doing is is incredible. I mean, literally, I was going to ask if we had more time, I would love to just call him and just say, how did you get into this and how are you taking it to this next, next level? He's got videos of dudes that, I mean, it, it is unbelievable the research this guy's done. And obviously he's got a passion for it. You have to, mm-hmm. because I don't think the paycheck is going to be all that big for a while. No. I mean, I mean, to, I looked at to, Klatt, Joel Klatt, uh, you know, he worked for the NFL network and has done the draft for them the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And this year uh, with David Shaw moving on, he kind of was elevated to the, to the Thursday night on the main set there with DJ and, and just, I saw his binder, you know, and this is for a couple hundred prospects in the NFL draft, but you know, them, you have seen them. Joel, for many of them, has covered their games. What you're talking about in baseball are high school kids, in many cases, all across the country. Foreign players down in the Dominican and all right, all around the world that you were trying to figure out. When Jerry DePoto said to us last Thursday, right, it was an off day. It was coming off of another Wednesday loss. It was kind of near one of these national series struggles. And, and we asked him and said, hey, you know, is, is today a little different? Do you kind of gather? And he's like, uh, no. Today is we got to work on the draft, mm-hmm. and, it, and at first blush, people are like, "Oh, come on, what are you doing? Fix this!" You know, I'm pretty frustrated. Like you're working on it. 
But then when you talk to the Joe Doyles of the world and you understand the depth, the depth, the man hours, the time, the research, and, and on top of it, you've got three picks in the top 30 in one of the deepest, best drafts that these guys can remember. you got to maximize that day and that moment as well. So, so John Schneider's guys, they can go to a college, let's just pick any college, and they can do background checks on, on if the guy's a good guy. What's he, how's he tra- how's he treat the trainer? How's he treat any yep. of these guys? How's his practice ha- habits? Everything. Yep. And you can figure out everything, and then you build those relationships, and you can walk into Alabama and, and find out these relationships. We want to know about the kid in a small town in Arkansas and what his background is. Does he show up on time? Is he late? Is he worth the 29th pick? Really worth the 29th pick? I mean, at some point, you're taking a flyer on some of these guys. And then will he even sign? Right? I mean, that's the other part of this, especially Mm -hmm. with high school kids. I mean, is he even signable? Is he a guy that... Yeah, there is just uh, an so awful, many awful names. lot yep, that goes yep, yep. into it. Fun and exciting. Yeah, you know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like that ranking thing. Ooh, look at you. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfors House. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Get up to this. You You get six hours and 45 minutes under your belt. And look at you now. (laughs) You're throwing to ranked. All right, Look my top you. five Seahawks were Robbie Tobeck, Jermaine Curse, Marshawn Lynch, Walter Jones, and Max Unger. That was Monday. That, that was, was Monday's Monday. ranking. Boy, just that was the best ranking ever. I mean, it was a little much. Your compliment on that day and after that was a bit much. Mora, it's, how it's good just, was ranked on Monday? Mora, how good was it? You know, I think we just determined when we were talking the six a.m. hour that um, Matt likes to be coached hard. He he didn't he didn't want all the compliments and the fanfare. That's actually what I said. He, yeah. he wanted yeah, some yeah, criticism from. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's know. also maybe yeah. some commentary on where ranked normally is. The bar is so low that the second it starts going, in a right well, I mean, to be fair, like, oh that's to be fair, point. he worked you know under Dave Pearson. He was he was worked really hard, very demanding for. 11, 12 years there in Seattle. So he likes to be critiqued. He likes to be coached. Don't mind it. <laughs> so I was going to say a few other things. All right, today's... So, so what is okay. it today? Yeah, yeah. today or do you want to introduce it, Brock? Or I, th- I think no, I'm really... No, you go ahead. Kind of wheelhouse. The five greatest moments for me from 2005 to 2015 was my last year. Mm. And again, it was kind of easy I was very lucky to start my first year was Super Bowl year. But let's go with one honorable mention we're not going to play the sound from because I started coming up with everything. was the onside kick against Green Bay. I mean, that that you knew something was going on. And there was so much. You forget about a few things. But, Maura, we'll start. Oh, no, no. That's right. Okay. (laughs) I'm just so excited. The other honorable mention we will play was... Another guy I forgot to put on the list. Maybe that's that's one of the reasons I have guilt. But John Ryan's throw and the fake field goal, oh. same game. Hit it, more. Oh. Hauschka from 38. Snap is good. Spot is a fake. John Ryan around the far side. He's going to throw. He's got a man in the end zone. It is a touchdown. Seahawks. Are you kidding me? Ooh, and now I can't. Who did he throw it to? The tight end, Gillian? the back end. Thank Gillian. you. Who's actually one of the coolest dudes also. Nice, cool. nice great. Nice, yeah, so nice. that was honorable mention? That didn't that was, even make top five? Didn't make it. 
Wow. Number five, I had to find something from 2005, and this brought back memories because we were at this game. Yes, we And were. it also was a statement game, but we'll do it. Lofa Tatupu with one of his uh, interceptions, Mora. Intercepted again, and going all the way to the end zone will be the rookie, Lofa Tatupu. Then he comes up and he starts punching the upright, mm. and that was a point. That was a point because that season – that's in the midst of 11-game winning streak. But before that, it was the Giants with all the false start calls a week before. Close game, overtime. San Francisco at San Francisco, a close game. This was a whipping. This was 42 to nothing. What was it? The late, great Reggie White. That was a halftime, wasn't it, Brock? Yeah, and yeah at- that was the moment that year where you're like, yeah, this is real. This is I real. mean, there was a whole bunch of other moments, but... This team is good, man. This team could do something never done before in Seahawks history. Kind of felt it, so I, I like that point. We talked about the bats for the Mariners, but the, yep. the Seahawks that year, Holmgren had it rolling with Hasselbeck. 37 points, 42, 33, 31. This was 42 to nothing December 5th, and that was one of my favorites in the mm. snow, late mm. in the snow mm. in Philadelphia. Number okay. four, this is a no-brainer. Jermaine Curse to win the NFC. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Stay with it, Rabel. What a catch in the end zone. It is curse. I was on the field for that. I'm very superstitious and I'm allowed to rock, walk around. I don't need to be in the uh, booth all the time. And I was just so nervous. And I was on the field when that ball is going in the air. And you see there's a little separation, a tiny bit of separation. And, and can Russell get the ball right on the other side? And he can't. And they go to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. It was nuts. It was crazy. I remember crazy. hugging the year before, and I don't want to get to one of the other moments. The year before with Dory Monson up in the suite, I threw him. I picked him up. He was very uncomfortable with physical touch, but I was yes. hugging him and lifting him up. That game, Heather and Molly in the in the suite together with Salk and I and the rest of the comrades at the station, a very similar embrace, knowing you were going back to the Super Bowl. That was pretty sweet. We got to okay. we got to do something from the Super Bowl win. It was so lopsided. And we're in the booth right next to Denver. And they're classy guys. The Denver broadcasters are classy guys. So I didn't want everybody yelling and screaming and going nuts. But then Percy Harvin brings that ball back. This is number three, Percy Harvin. Short kick. Percy Harvin with the catch. He's on the run. He breaks free. He's across the 40. The speed. There he goes. Midfield. Look out. He's going to go. Take the second half kickoff all the way back. Baby! 88 yards for a touchdown. We knew Percy was going to do it tonight. Touchdown, Seahawks! Oh, there's some goosebumps. Gosh, I mean, there's triple some goosebumps. Wow. Lord that have mercy. Crazy. We got Percy, and that is all three of those have given me big old goosebumps. Uh, Percy Harvin bringing it back. He knew the game was over. First oh. play of the second half. Yep. Harwell. Harwell, he follows him in, right? Yep. And he follows him in, and he was one of my favorites, and and, and Percy, the up-and-down little career he had in Seattle, there it was, paid it off right wow. there. Number two, again, we're getting into no-brainerville, so we'll just let Rabel do the talking. Here. Shotgun for Kaepernick, takes the snap, looks, fires near side, going for the end zone. Ball is picked <laughs> up and after it. Is it picked up? Is it picked off? It is. It's picked off in the end zone. The Seahawks intercept in the end zone. Richard Sherman tips it. Malcolm Smith picks it off in the end zone. 
The Seahawks are going to run this baby down. We are going to New Jersey. Unbelievable. You can picture any Seahawk fan listening to that can picture where they were. You were at home. You're at a bar. You're in the game. You were at the game anywhere. That was that was a moment. I mean, that was a More moment. More Justin, where were you? I was at the uh, old 88 Keys in Pioneer Square for that. Perfect. That moment. Perfect. I ran out into the street and was watching the fireworks. And it's like, yeah, I'll mm. never forget that. Uh, I was at home watching with my ex-boyfriend, who became quite the Seahawks fan when we moved here. So mm. it was pretty exciting. A positive story, then a <laughs> yeah, negative positive. story, then, <laughs> then a positive story. That's interesting. It was exciting. It was exciting. <laughs> but just, just that, you know, you can just picture. There are plays you just picture. Yep. And then this one. This one is such a no-brainer for me. Yeah, this is just such a no-brainer. And I remember, and and someone told me what I was doing afterwards, and I was like, I was doing what? But this is my favorite with one of my favorites. Shotgun for Kaepernick. Takes the snap. Looks. Fires. That's all right. That's okay. Suspense. Crowd silent Move quick on that one. As opposed to when the Saints have the ball. Oh, look at this run. What a run. Marshawn Lynch. Still on his feet. Has blockers now. He's dancing his way for the touchdown. And there's so much there, right? I mean, I'm in the booth, and I guess as he breaks the second or third tackle, I start punching Brian O'Connell, who's the in-booth awesome in-game producer for the Seahawks, now the director of broadcasting for the Seahawks. And, and I'm punching him, I guess, and I'm punching him in the arm, and I keep punching him because Monday, Dave Pearson went around the room and said, where were you? What were you guys doing? What were your thoughts? And Brian O'Connell said, well, I've got bruises because Matt's punching me as he runs through the <laughs> runs through the line. But Mayock, and I love Rabel's call, don't get me wrong, but Mayock is like, oh, oh, and he's like in his weird screams, he's realizing he's yep. watching history, yep. and he goes, and your guy Hasselback was there, and mm. everyone's there, and... Mm. And it was just, it was unbelievable. And what that first, seven and nine, right? And you're moving on. Tyler Columbus, too. Tyler Columbus. Everybody was there, seven and nine, and you beat a very good Saints team. You know what else was there? The seismograph was there. Is that beast quake was (sighs) real in that building. You should be exhausted. Matt in Oregon says tomorrow's ranked has to be uh, top five hires by stretch. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say have him on the air. That's funny. That's pretty darn good. That is good. Thank you, Stretchy. Mora, Justin, uh, behind the scenes, working the ones and twos, and we ask a lot of them. I certainly do when I try to run this show. Not well, but they uh, make it all happen. Bump and Stacy coming your way next. What a week. Go Mariners. Go get those brooms out tonight. Let's keep it rolling. Stretchy will be back tomorrow morning, but for this day, Matthew, the hay barn. See you. Hands in the